You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. All right, welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. And as we say at the beginning and the end of every episode, do your own damn research. Excited for today, we have a, a special guest with us, which not only has been uh, an OG in this space as far as entrepreneurship and social media, but I think he has another OG that he's probably going to want to talk about uh, in on the podcast as we kind of share some of the things that uh, Ty has going on uh, in his day-to-day world. And uh, with that being said, we're going to jump right into it. Ty, go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience. You have so many things going on, so many things that you're involved in with the amount of companies you own, uh, crypto side of the house, uh, NFT collections. Uh, I actually, you and I actually did a a panel together a long time ago. I think it was 2011 or 2012, uh, kind of talking about the future of social media. And uh, it was was one of, uh, you know, the early days before the early days. But uh, excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, go ahead and uh, give a little quick intro to the audience for those that don't know who you are. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm entrepreneur, do a lot of social media stuff, but also I'm the CEO of Retail E-Commerce Ventures. So I buy brands, take them from brick and mortar into e-com brands, bought Pier 1, uh, Pier 1 in the U.S. I own uh, Radio Shack. Models, sporting goods, dress barn, Steinmart, Ralph and Russo fashion brand, just lots of different things. Do public company stuff. Second largest shareholder in Wilhelmina Models. It's a NASDAQ company. It's the biggest model agency, public model agency in the world. So, you know, do lots of stuff. Um, have done a lot of YouTube videos and marketing and all that. I started talking about crypto 2017, August 2017. I was streaming did some big masterminds in my house and um so yeah that's a little about me i'm i live in puerto rico i'm in london right now so you're yeah you're definitely a world traveler uh with all those businesses and the entrepreneur side so we're gonna we're gonna jump into kind of your uh the nft side in a minute i know you're doing some things of course even with your board ape but i'm you know i want to kind of kick off the conversation you know as an entrepreneur and i remember that I think it was probably 2018, maybe it might have been 2017, you know, kind of being aware of, you know, many that were getting into the crypto space. But it, it for, you know, from the outside in, it definitely looked like it, it was those that had money that needed to, that were kind of playing in the arena first. And, you know, we talk a lot about early adoption. We talk a lot about like leaning into trends. I'm curious for you, like the early days of crypto, what about crypto as a whole kind of got you excited? I know you've kind of leaned into supporting and backing some others, uh, cryptocurrencies that are out there. But I'm curious, like those early days, what about this space got you excited? Well, you know, I've always been a trend catching kind of person. I started in Google AdWords in like 2000, end of 2001, beginning of 2002. I forget the exact date, but it was the, at that time, you know, it was the two months. It'd been around for two months. So then I, 
Facebook, I was in the beta program in 08, 09. And I like being, you know, kind of in that inventor slash pioneer stage. I was one of the first people to use, you know, YouTube videos at scale. And then as I just watched trends, you know, Jeff Bezos say he says he started doing Amazon because he was doing his research and saw that the internet in adoption was growing at approximately, you know, 2,800% per year. And he's like, that is insane. You know, so for me, it was one of these situations where as I watch what is growing fast, you know, whether it's Facebook ads, YouTube, buying companies is something, you know, that's becoming more popular buying brands, especially COVID, you know, the COVID time kind of accelerated that. But I saw that in like 2015, 16, obviously, you know, crypto started earlier than that. I wasn't one of the first people in crypto, but I was kind of, you know, relatively early. It'll be hard to know what's early, you know, in 20 years. (laughs) Anybody, if you get in in 2022 right now, you're going to look early. You know, it's kind of like Jeff Bezos got in, launched Amazon in 94. But five years later, seven years later, we still look back and go, wow, that's early. You were in the Internet in 01. So I, I think that the adventure um, reward, it all sits there for relatively early adopters but you don't have to be first i think you need to you need to be in the first one third so 2017 i was watching the trends and i was like wait a second this thing has real legs you know this thing's really moving here and um so i did a mastermind in my house i invited all these people multiple ones are billionaires now they weren't billionaires at the time and i said let me do a war room I need to pick y'all brains. And so I had about 40 people. Brock Pierce was there and other people um, that, I, like I said, have since grown to be Forbes listers or crypto Forbes listers. And I said, let's just talk. And I picked their brain and I started doing a podcast then. Um, so so that's the, that's kind of the, the answer to that question, I guess. Yeah. I, I love you brought up about you know, like that early wave, right? I always like to say, you know, Google was the 37th search engine, right? There was 36 other brands that decided to, you know, launch a search engine. Yet, you know, we we actually call it Googling now, right? We don't we don't even think twice about that. So I think, you know, being early but not having to be first is such a you know a critical aspect here. And and you were early on, you know, you mentioned Google Ads, but you know, also social trends, but also kind of pushing, you know, the limits of what you know social trends are, and even. You know, I would say you're one of your strong suits from you know the outside in as someone that has watched a lot of the things that you've uh, been a part of is you know you're not you're not afraid to push the limits of what's possible to see like how people respond. And I'm curious, like how is that like over the last you know like you know many years as you've acquired more companies as you've kind of not only expanded the things that you're operating in, how does that still like kind of how do you keep that kind of you know thriving? in your mentality as someone that's really willing to try new things, kind of fail publicly if you need to, but, you know, really willing to be a trend center. Where does that, where does that come from? Well, I mean, <laughs> I think a couple things. One, when you're on the frontier, you're going to take a lot of flack. It's like Drake says, if you don't have, you ain't popping if you don't have haters. So, you know, you live on the frontier of stuff. You see that with crypto, 
still being called a Ponzi scheme. You know, there's still regulators that are saying this is the worst, this is rat poison for the world. And that'll continue because crypto, like to use that rap saying, you know, crypto's popping. So there's gonna be a lot of hate. I've felt that I've experienced that you have to, you know, I was telling people in 2012, like, yo, you don't, instead of college, there's a whole new way to learn online and elsewhere. And a lot of people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're leading people astray. You're just trying to sell courses. Well, two years later, 2014, Peter Thiel, the billionaire pays like 20 students, a hundred grand not to go to college. One of them's Vitalik Buterin. And at 19, he builds the Ethereum network. So there's an example, you know, you get a little vindication, um, you know, uh, you get vindication looking back. So you have to be willing to be vindicated slowly but surely over time. You're going to make a call and people are going to hate you. I mean, imagine the first people talking about Bitcoin in 2013, 12, 11. And people are like, what are you talking about? You know, the pizza story. And he's like, I'll just buy a pizza. So I think most people aren't, one of my mentors used to say, Ty, if you tell people your idea, if you tell your neighbor your idea and they like it, you're too late. So he's like, you got to be willing to say stuff and have your neighbor be like, are you crazy? So I've experienced that. And I think a lot of people in crypto have experienced that, you know? Yeah. And I, so I'm actually curious, you know, for like the listeners here, I mean, we have a a wide range of, of listeners from those that are, are new into the NFT space, still looking to buy their first one to, we have mass collectors. We you know interviewed uh, Franklin, who's one of the uh, ones that holds the most, you know, I think he has the third most board apes in his wallet, 38 board apes in his wallet. And I think one of the trends has been, uh, or the conversations have been around like talking about NFTs outside of the NFT space. So I'm curious, like what would be your advice for those that are kind of having these conversations where Maybe they're getting haters. Maybe they're getting doubters. Like, how did you go about like that, like tough skin and then kind of continuing to push through? Because I know for so many, it can be really frustrating. And maybe the first time they're dealing with somebody, you know, like, oh, what are you doing? You're, you know, that's, that's where people are, you know, hiding money or that's, you know, that's just a you know, flash in the pan. You know, it's a crypto bro world. Like, what would be your advice for those that like are trying to grow that t- tougher skin and kind of lean into this space and not, you know, kind of be pushed out by the naysayers? Well, yeah, I, I did a video on YouTube not too long ago, and I told people, are you sure you want to be rich? And I said, three reasons you may not want to be rich. And, you know, the overarching theme is welcome to the jungle. And the jungle's full of snakes, quicksand, and, you know, leopards ready to pounce at any time. And most people shouldn't go in the jungle. You think you want the reward. At the other end of the jungle is what people want, the pot of gold. But, you know, a lot of people, Rockefeller, the richest man in modern history, $600 million net worth uh, in his fifties. When he lost all his hair from stress, he basically stressed himself out. All his hair fell out of his you know, eyebrows, regular hair. And, and he said, all the money I've made hasn't compensated me for the stress that I've been through. So you look at people, you know, and of course people in crypto and NFT like to pretend they're not in it for the money, but I'm, I trust humans, but I don't trust human nature, human nature, especially, you know, men, although both are resource acquisitive and that's just how it is. And humans have only spent maybe 25,000 years as agrarian 
the other 75,000 years is what really formed us. And those hunter gatherer years, we're still hunter gatherers because we want resources because we want to survive. So, you know, it's funny hunter gathering NFT is very close to hunter gathering. If you think about it, you know, obviously you're not just gathering berries, but what do berries represent? If you're on the savannas of Africa, 400, 500,000 years ago, they represent energy. And if you even look, most NFTs are sitting on, on the Ethereum network. It uses energy. It's a representative. One ETH is representative of a unit of energy. And so anyway, when you go in the jungle, which is NFTs, you're going, you're, you're going to acquire resources. In this case, it's a digital resource, a non-fungible token. You have to realize it's full of snakes. It's full of quicksand. It's full of leopards. And if they weren't there, you wouldn't, you'd know you're not in the jungle. So I actually, I've tested both. When I have no faith, uh, no haters and no pressure from the outside world, I have a different problem. I know I'm not in the jungle. And if you want to make money, you have to be in the jungle. And it's not just making money. It's if you want to make impact on the world. You know, I remember Elon Musk, I think it was 09, I was reading the Wall Street Journal and it's like, the biggest scam ever. This guy's taken on $3 billion of debt to build this car company. Of course, he can't build it better than Ford, who's been doing cars for 100 years. And he got all this flack, too. But the way you uh, – the way I, and I'm not inside Elon Musk's head, but the way that you console yourself at that moment is to go, well, the fact that the Wall Street Journal's talking shit means I'm taking risk and wealth comes from taking risk by going in the jungle. So – the when I'm the same way, when if you have an NFT, a board ape, and somebody goes, Oh, you're buying a you know, you're buying pixels that somebody can just screenshot, congratulate yourself. Look, it doesn't mean guarantee that board ape is going to continue to go to the moon and one day they're all five hundred ETH. Okay. That I bought a board ape for ninety-four. I've given it away for my thing next week. But so I, I'm a little short-term member of the Board Eight Club. I can't predict which NFT project wins. What I can predict is that in general, technology that's useful wins. It becomes it get gains adoption. But I can also tell you, you should a little bit listen to your haters and a little bit ignore them. I'm kind of switching the subject. One thing I've learned is so Nietzsche, the famous philosopher, Friedrich Nietzsche said. You know, the mind is an impenetrable fortress. You only learn about yourself through your friends and your enemies. So what I like to do is in general, I don't listen to my the haters and enemies, but I keep my ear open a little bit because you are getting some valid input. So one of the things that people say, whether it be board ape, crypto punks or or the plethora of new products or, or, or uh, you know, NFT projects that are launching is that it's going to like the Cambrian period in evolution. Most are going to uh, drop significantly. Why? And that's okay. It doesn't mean that NFTs in as a class are a scam. It just means in the beginning, there was about, I think, 60 car companies in America that did well for a while. And now there's like five. That's okay. That's evolution. You know, at the beginning of of the there was pets.com and this that and now you have amazon pretty much one maybe walmart you have five big e-com players and that's okay that natural evolution so one thing we all should be listening to our haters is when they say oh this product 
uh, this project has no utility. It's bullshit. Sometimes your haters are right, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but as a class in terms of overall, the sector of NFTs, I kind of ignore the haters because it's pretty clear that NFTs have real utility. I mean, there's a lot of things that use tickets in the world from airlines, from music, you know, concerts, sports. There's a lot of things that have memberships from golf clubs to members only Soho clubs to nightclubs. So we already know you're in. And then, of course, the whole art world in and of itself, there's a lot of unique things in the world. So the thought that you're going to digitize uniqueness is going to win. You will di- everything will become digitized and fractionalized eventually as security law. So all real estate will eventually be digitized and fractionalized. Right now, a lot of deeds sit in courthouses. I buy a lot. Of, I own a thousand acres in the U.S. farmland. I buy a little farms, sometimes 100 acres, 200 acres. And, you know, it's not digitized. You go into some little courthouse in the middle of nowhere. It looks like it's still back in the Civil War days, right? In the, I buy a lot of land in the South. But one day it'll all be digitized. It'll probably be fractionalized. And what are they going to use? They're probably going to use some kind of a blockchain because it's just more efficient than modern databases. And it's more transparent. You know, for real estate, specifically in the United States, needs to be transparent. Most places in most states in the United States, you can publicly see who owns what piece of land. You might have to go to the courthouse. So. In the future, as the blockchain digitizes, for example, real estate and makes it transparent, how do we now represent ownership in that? And that's where NFT. Now, it's too early for that because the law doesn't, you know, whoever cracks, by the way, I'm working on cracking the real estate code with NFTs. Like my project that I'm dropping next week, this OG uh, original garage social club and hotel, I'm incorporating a physical hotel that I'm buying on the roadmap. And that will be the beginning. But one day, NFTs will actually represent ownership in each room of the hotel or each acre of land on a farm or each door or unit inside a multifamily apartment complex. So this is exciting. It's just getting started, man. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I, I, I've been talking blockchain. I'm, I'm all in on blockchain more so than anything else as the tech. I, I started I was giving a keynote in 2013 on blockchain and I. I put out to the world, I was like, the only thing I can hope is that uh, cryptocurrency doesn't become the first mass adopted use case of the blockchain technology, because I, I, I was a believer in the technology, but I also understood when we add the financial um, aspects to any you know emerging innovation or tech, we, of course, are going to have the things that come with it. And I, I might be a futurist, but I definitely predicted or I, I, was, I, <laughs> I made that proclamation and I was a little bit wrong on that side of the house. But you know, I'm curious too because you know, we, we're recording this podcast live on Twitter Spaces. You know, we have Roger Clemens in the house, Matt Schuzer. We have a lot of uh, pro athletes, celebrities that are listening to this podcast as well. And for you, you know, you mentioned you do a lot in the real estate space. I'm actually um, here in Northern Virginia, and funny enough, because uh, I had internet issues, I had to get out of my house to to get good uh, signal. And and I just looked across the parking lot, and there's a Models right here. <laughs> happens there to you be go. in the in the shopping center that I'm in. So like, how cool is that from a uh, a perspective, but I'm curious from like from the standpoint of you know that bigger picture investment risk first reward. You know, I love that you're adding you know a physical hotel utility to uh, your NFT, and and let's face it, you have the the track record. 
with the things that you own and the, the things that you've deployed over the years, that that roadmap makes sense. But there are also other, you know, celebrity projects, athlete projects that, you know, are making claims that, let's face it, we're not positive that many of them uh, can cash in on those claims. So I'm curious, how do you look at that from, you know, or even like from a, we're not giving financial advice, but for those that are like, hey, they have a reputation, maybe they're an athlete, they're, they're worried about the risk of getting involved in an NFT project or launching their own project because of what that like fallout might be, but they also want to lean in uh, and play into this blockchain space. What would be your kind of advice for those? Well, I mean, look, here's the thing. You brought up a great problem. And, you you know, if you listen to Jeff Bezos, I think more people should listen to him. He's in nominal dollars. He's the most successful businessman of our time or ever in American history. One thing he says is, as you analyze things, you look for defects, right? So you have to be defect minded. So what's the main defects in NFT, the NFT world, in the blockchain world? It's relatively simple. The main defects right now uh, are you have a lot of people with no track record that mean well, promising a lot. So I'll give you an example. I I watched these DAOs being formed, these decentralized organizations that are going to buy assets. So there was a one to buy the U.S. Constitution. They got close to buying the U.S. Constitution, but they were beat by a dude that I actually – he used to be my neighbor in New York, uh, one of the richer hedge fund guys in the world. He's like, fuck these Dow, Twitter, crypto people, I'll buy it. So it wasn't successful, but they had a good chance. And then I saw another Dow. It says, we're going to buy Blockbuster Video for $5 million, revive the brand. Well, now that's in the space that I'm in. And I read that article and it got went viral and it's like, all over Bloomberg. And I'm going, these reporters don't know jack fucking shit. These are all baby amateur entrepreneurs because I tried to buy Blockbuster. It's owned by a billionaire and Dish Network. And that shit is going to cost you a couple hundred million to buy it. So what's happening is you have a lot of people in crypto that mean well. There's a lot of fast money being made. But fast money doesn't make you a business person. Only time makes you makes you experienced and wise in business. Not that I'm wise. I'm not calling myself wise, but I'm just saying my mentor, Joel Salton, used to say, you can't Google experience. You can't (laughs) Google experience. So what's happening now is you have somebody who's never built a business and all of a sudden, let's say you form a DAO and hand them 10 million bucks to go buy a golf course or to go buy the U.S. Constitution. I'm going, that's not going to end well, ladies and gentlemen. That's like if you have heart problems and you go to a surgeon and he's like, yeah, I'm getting, I'm and my first week of my eight year or 12 year, you know, path to become a heart surgeon. I don't want that guy operating <laughs> my heart. My heart is valuable. So we have a lot of people who aren't out of med school yet, so to speak, that have a lot of resources in their hand. And that's probably the biggest risk in the NFT world. I see people, I saw an NFT project and they're promising they're going to buy, you know, I'm going to buy casinos and hotel. I'm going, bro, you raised sub $30 million. What fucking casino are you buying? Are you buying some shithole and, you know, outskirts of Omaha, Nebraska? Because if you're trying to buy, they're talking, they're making it sound like you're going to buy a Vegas casino. I'm like, what Vegas casino is available for $10 million? And people are falling for it, hook, line, and sinker going, ooh, I'm going to buy this NFT because they're going to buy sub $30 million. They're going to buy hotels, 
casinos. I'm going, these guys are going to buy some flat boat barge in the middle of the Mississippi River, some shitty, you know, you, you need a lot of money to do that stuff. So I think that's the risk. And you see that in, in, but that'll go away over time as maybe more experienced business people come in and clean things up a little bit. Yeah. And I, I love that take too. I think, you know, I, I, we were part of the, you know, for this uh, podcast, we launched on November 11th. Uh, one of the things I wanted to do was bring people along on the journey without them having to have like the financial obligation. So we decided to to buy an NFT every single day for a year and we're going to hold on to them and sell them as a, a mosaic collection. And, and one of the ones we bought into was that Constitution DAO. And I remember when we did so, the, the funny thing that I said here on the podcast was like, the thing that the Constitution DAO hasn't really cleared up is like, what are they going to do if they don't buy it? And what is like the risk of this transparency, right? Because transparency can be a great thing, but it also can be something that can be leveraged by your enemies or your competition. And in this case, with the Constitution Dow, that's, you know, definitely was one of the examples. And I'm curious, you know, there's been a lot of conversation around brands in NFTs and in crypto. Of course, we saw at the Super Bowl, we had, you know, the Salesforce, which kind of mocked uh, this space saying that it's not really the new frontier using uh, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, and then, of course, we had the Larry David commercial of which I thought was really well done, where they uh, kind of laughed at all of the things that Larry David would, or, or you know, we predicted that would never happen, um, yet you know, eventually did happen. But you know, from a brand perspective, you know, Radio Shack is one that you know, for, you know, I'm a, I'm a pager wearing millennial. I was born in 1981. So I'm 40 and Radio Shack has not only nostalgia, but it's, you know, it was a, it was a way of, of life as someone like me that was a, a tech guy building computers. And, you know, I, I believe I bought my first camera at a Radio Shack. I, I bought my first phone at a Radio Shack. So from someone from your side of the house, like where, where is the brand play in here, maybe short term? And then where do you see that long term as well as from a, as someone that owns multiple brands, but also has brands that many of us here, you know, have kind of a nostalgic connection to as well? Yeah, I mean, I think the power of brands is just insane. And it, I'm utilizing it. And I see the power like my, the websites I own just on the e-com side. I was just looking at my Google Analytics last year. Um over 140 million Americans. Uh, I had over 140 million visits to our site from Americans. So let's call it, you know, they're not all unique, but let's just say, you know, a fifth of America came to my websites last year. That's a lot. And that's only because I have brands. They're not coming because, oh, Ty Lopez owns them. They're coming because Radio Shack is a 101-year-old brand. They're coming because Steinmark is a 116-year-old brand. They're coming because Model Sporting Goods is an 1889 brand. And there's cachet and power built there. And even if you look at a lot of top, I mean, look at even Elon Musk. I mean, he acquired Tesla. It was a brand that existed before him as an entrepreneur. So I think that there's, a re- if you look at Warren Buffett, by the way, who just bought a billion dollars worth of, or put a billion into a crypto bank yesterday, a Brazilian one, um, you know, he realizes that trust is built slowly over time. So Radio Shack's, this, this DEX, this swap that we just launched today, actually, it's like in five, I didn't even come on to talk about it, but like in 10 minutes, it'll be available if you want to buy some Radio Shack tokens, radio tokens. And the, a lot, it, when we announced we were pivoting Radio Shack into crypto in December, it was insane the press that just picked up. It went on like the late night Colbert show. It was like Wall Street Journal. And 
that was no paid PR. We didn't do jack squat because like you said, you're treading on mental real estate that already exists. So yes, you can build sushi swap and Uniswap and the crypto community grows into that. But for the mainstream world, if you walk down the street and you say, go to sushi.com, people are thinking they're going to, you know, get a California roll. Whereas if you say, go to Radio Shack, they're like, wait a second, why is Radio Shack in crypto? But you don't have to prove that Radio Shack is a trusted brand from that standpoint. So I like to I like to build on something that already has some trust. You still have to do a good job. You can't build shit on top of an existing brand. Like, you know, the famous saying, you can't polish a turd. So if, if we build a turd on top of the Radio Shack name, the Radio Shack name won't help us at all. But if you build something good and you couple it with something people already trust, then you get the one missing link in crypto. And that's mass adoption. I'll tell you this. Every single person here li- uh, listening, pro- most are crypto fans. If crypto does not relatively rapidly, I'm going to make a prediction for you. I haven't made public at all. If crypto doesn't have a rapid mass adoption, okay, um, regulation, Gary Gensler and the SEC will bring down hell on earth and it will impair crypto. And this will happen not only in the United States, but globally. So what has to happen, remember, politicians are very susceptible to sentiment of the masses because they're elected by the masses, right? So all of a sudden, I was happy that Coinbase, you know, did their Super Bowl commercial. Yes, it crashed, all that. But the point being, like, I, I want a lot of people in crypto because then all of a sudden the SEC gets 60,000 phone calls from everyday ordinary people, not just Coinbase lobbyists and lawyers, but they get it from, you know, Matilda in Omaha, Nebraska and Bob from, you know, Tampa, Florida going, yo, I I like crypto, you know, blah, blah, blah. So that's why when 2017, I did this video and I got a lot of heat from the crypto community. Oh, ties to sell out, blah, blah, blah. But I was going, bro, I got a hundred million views on my YouTube video telling the pizza story of Bitcoin. I meet people to this day. There's a huge amount of people that I've met and even probably on this call that are like part of what got me into crypto in 2017 was that video. So crypto is a little bit insular. I understand it. We love to feel the crypto people who got in 2014 and 13 love to pat themselves back on the back of being, you know, some genius and we're a special tribe of DGENs that got in early and blah, blah. But you need the masses. You need the masses because DGENs will get destroyed by governments because you're not big enough to affect Washington, D.C. So once this thing gets enough mass adoption, like you see different projections on what percent crypto adoption there is in the world. I think it's sub one percent. Some people say it's three to six percent, which is bullshit. I think they're counting wallets, which you can't do because some a lot of people have multiple wallets. Right. So. You have sub 1%, you're very susceptible to Joe Biden waking up one day and going, let's screw this, let's put a tax on it, let's put, you know, let's blah, blah, blah. And that gets nasty for crypto. Crypto will rise and it will thrive and survive through that, but it'll suppress prices for a while. And those prices can be, you know, you can you don't want a four-year bear market. You want this thing to rise. We already went through a 2018 relatively long, you know, bear market. Let's 
get a lot of people into this. Radio Shack and big brands can do this. Adidas doing their NFT drop, that's good. You know, it's like whether they did it right or not, who cares? It's like at least Adidas is there. So anyway, well, that's my I, point. Well, I appreciate you saying that because I think that's a, I mean, that's a view I don't think a lot are, are taking. Now, I think that, you know, the bigger question of like, what is, like, what is the mass adoption? And is it mass adoption of, of one of the cryptocurrencies is a mass adoption of, you know, I think one of the, the big difficulties of this space is, you know, those that have a, a mass amount of cryptocurrency don't have a place to actually spend it or use it or, 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 you know, where the way that, that they are using it today, um, some might, you know, it might be more complex and more uh, direct than others. And, and I think it's a really valid point on the fact that, you know, the more mass adoption, the, the harder it becomes to, uh, you know, to really bring down some of the things that might you know be there. And I think, I think it's such an interesting conversation on that side. And, and you mentioned with Radio Shack dropping something today. Now, is this something when I mean, you have a portfolio brands, is this something you're, you're looking at across your entire portfolio or are there certain brands in your portfolio that just seem ripe for this NFT crypto space and others that you're like, yeah, I probably, it would probably be a longer way out. Like, how are you looking at across your entire portfolio? No, we're, we're launching an e-com token next week to use across our portfolio. So Pier 1 reward, it'll be a rewards token. We'll start rewarding our Pier 1. And we have huge, I mean, Pier 1's a big brand in America, bigger than Radio Shack in the sense that it's still at 1,200 stores, 1.7 billion in revenue last year. I bought it. It was in bankruptcy just because of COVID with too many stores, but this is a massive brand. And so we're launching our e-com token. Um, we may even we're, we're looking at stuff about potentially taking some of our crypto stuff public also that's we'll see. But no, it's for sure across all my portfolios. We started with Radio Shack, but we own Franklin Mint, too, which was the biggest collectibles company oh, in yeah. 30 years. So that's going to make a play. Um, but we're starting after we have the radio token now, the swap. And by the way, the cool thing about Radio Shack, and I'm not trying to pump my own thing. I'm just telling you the utility of it. We're going to provide liquidity for brands that probably don't want to go up on Uniswap because they've never heard of it. But we're <laughs> like, want to do you want to list on Radio Shack and some 60-year-old CEO of an American brand may not want to do a fully decentralized, okay, who owns this? Okay, they're not even docs you know they're undocked like some of these people have feel they have a fiduciary responsibility as a ceo of a company they're not going to go in the dgen world so radio shack's going to provide help them provide and we're going to have ex tokens that exclusively list on us so radio shack then we're doing the e-com token which will start with our own brands providing a rewards program so hypothetically you buy you know a hundred dollars worth of furniture or a thousand dollars worth of furniture on pier one and you get rewards to so to encourage you to come back, just like a Starbucks, but it's paid in the crypto token, you know, and that token has value in other ways. It can be used for, let's say somebody wants a refund. It's like, hey, instead of a refund cash, we can get, there's all kind. I mean, this world, you can go down rabbit holes of how you do e-com, but e-com is massive and we're focused on e-com. Like I said, I'm also focused on real estate. My OG NFT that drops on Friday, the the pre-sale and then next weekend we're I'm buying a hotel. I already have a three in South beach on the roadmap. And when the one thing different, you know, I have a big company 
and this is not to brag or anything, but like we fulfill roadmaps fast. So for example, we did a little pre-sale of the radio token two weeks ago and the swaps, the DEX has launched already today. So like the big, I'll tell you a big problem in crypto, talk about defects is motherfuckers getting money. And then five years later, shit hasn't dropped yet. That's going to, that is going to smash the crypto world on its head. I'm telling you, if you say, okay, we're launching a blockchain and you raise a lot of money and then you don't launch that blockchain for a long time, it's going to be hell to pay. So we're trying to like get stuff built. I've got three, 400 employees, big tech team. We can build shit real quick. So one of the things I'm going to try to buy a hotel here, you know, this year, It'll be the first, and I know other people have promised hotels, but this will actually be kind of like a Soho house, but it'll be all NFT based. I'm also doing my Ty Lopez education courses. I've done nine figures over a hundred million dollars in online education, business training. I'm pivoting that whole thing to, instead of paying me in fiat, you buy an NFT and that gets you a spot. I did a mastermind yesterday. Top on blew in, you know, they all pay like they pay between 10 and 25,000. To come to these, I had one yesterday in London, I had 20 people. I, I limit the size, small room. But in the, I told those people, you are the last people that are going to just be able to play with fiat. Because in the future, I'll just say, yeah. And I like education this way because I say, look, you buy my OG NFT. You can have a gold, silver and gold level. If you buy the gold card, um, you get access to a seat. And so if I do a good job and it's a good educational program, it'll trade up. But if it sucks, it'll trade down. And if you look at the university system, the college system in America, it's fucked. You pay this money to an, to get a bullshit degree. Most people are getting English degrees, art degree. I'm like, you already speak English, bitch. The biggest scam, you got $2 trillion of college debt in America. $2 trillion. Can't be discharged with bankruptcy. It's a big earner for the government, but it's bogging down the youth of this world, or especially America. It should be NFT-based. So basically, Harvard or my brother went to UNC Chapel Hill. He got a Spanish degree, came out with 80000 in debt. That really traumatized him for years. I'm going, let's say there's 300 spots in that Spanish degree. The way it should be, there's 300 NFTs. If you own the NFT, you get to sit for four years. It's a four-year representation. That's what the utility. And so let's say you pay 80 grand for that NFT. Trades on the secondary market, they should probably put the royalties up higher. Let's say you set the royalties to 20%. That way there's an ongoing set of cash flow to the university. Then if the college degree sucks, it's going to trade down in the university is punished in the free capitalistic markets, which work very well for this. So if it's a crappy class and everybody comes out of four years, like my brother saying, fuck, I don't even speak Spanish. This was a bull. I know, I know grammar of Spanish, but I can't speak it. All of a sudden that NFT, let's say trades down over the years, but my brother sells it. Even if he sells it and it trades down for 60,000. Now he only paid 20,000 for his degree, somebody else grabs it for 60000 Now, let's say the university goes, fuck, our NFT's trading down. Let's fire this idiotic tenured professor who sucks ass, and let's get a better professor in. All of a sudden, the NFT it becomes more prestigious in the open capitalistic markets through the use of the fractionalized NFT that represents this class of UNC, for example. It trades up. It could trade up to 150000 Now, somebody goes into the school 
takes a Spanish degree for 80 and resells it for 150 and got their college degree and made money. And the next person who bought it still happy because it's worth 150. That's how the world should be. That's what I was saying about if you can digitalize and fractionalize things, the game changes. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that also, I think that's where this, you know, I look at blockchain solving the digital ownership problem that we have in, in the world today. Right. And a lot of it, it hasn't been digitized, as you said, especially in the real estate space. But I think as a as a whole, this idea of like what does ownership look like? Even how do we how do we get access to you know ownership transactions and things across the board? And you know, you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier. I pinned the tweet here for those that are listening on Twitter Spaces and those that are listening on a podcast. I'll make sure to include it in the show notes. But you know, you did mention you spent over you know over two hundred grand and bought yourself a, a board ape that you're going to give away. Um, as part of the launch of your OG, which is the original garage uh, collection, I'm curious. You know, from a, you know, there's a there's there's an easy from like the outside like naysayer hater conversation of people not always believing in celebrities and and those that are of fame that they're going to actually do what they say. And I, and I like to think that blockchain and the transparency really kind of removes that barrier. Right, we're going to be able to actually we'll be able to see that transaction. Right, when you move the the board ape from your wallet to the winner of the board ape's wallet. Like that's something that's, you know, indisputable in, in many ways. Uh, we could argue, you know, some of the shady things that are happening here, but I'm curious from like, you know, when you mentioned education, I, and I pinned that tweet up there where you said you're going to you know, revolutionize the education system in the world by using, you know, uh, NFTs. Like what role do you think like transparency as a whole will play not only in education, but even from like a, an influencer model where it's no longer about like, Hey, this is the things that I claim I can do. It's more like, Hey, I have the receipts to do it. And it's all logged in the blockchain. How do you, how do you look at that impact? Oh, it's going to, like I said, it's going to be fascinating. If you like, I mentioned this earlier, the Cambrian period in evolution, hundred million years ago or whenever, where you had a hundred million species, none of them exist anymore, except our ancestors. So it was successful, this huge experimentation modality where most things sucked. And so you just have to remember for all of you who are really bullish, and I'm one of them on the crypto and NFT space, you should be bearish on most projects. Most projects, I guarantee you, if anybody wants to put a million dollars in escrow, I will put that million dollars that says, 90% of projects are complete garbage, if not higher. I mean, evolution would say 99. But there is a simple way, and this is what I mentioned, it's not very hard to figure out what's going to win. I mean, look, let me put it to you this way. If Elon Musk said he was launching an NFT that was going to, I don't know, do something with cars, and he's like, and I'm going to put my Tesla company behind it, and my staff and my team, I mean, would I would buy that one. I'd be like, this guy's a track record of completing. Now, if my next door neighbor, who's been a bum his whole life, you know, who still lives with his mom in the basement, says, yo, Ty, I'm going to go buy a chain of hotels. And he has the most amazing website with the most amazing graphics on it. And he has the best art. And it's just so catchy. And it's pixelated, blah, blah, blah. I ain't buying it. So I think the biggest mistake you can make as an investor, period. This is investment advice, by the way. (laughs) I know everybody says, (laughs) I will give you actual investment advice. It's better to invest in the word who than the word what. 
And the biggest mistake, and I, why I know there's a lot of amateurness in crypto, is everybody's looking at the what. They're going at the roadmap, which is great. I mean, it's good if an NFT has a, a solid roadmap. But right. I would, in, in an NFT project by Elon Musk, and he goes, I'm going to just do the roadmap as it comes to me over the next couple months. I'm like, this guy has a track record. So think that way more than being mesmerized by a cool blankety blank dot io page that scrolls endlessly and shows you a lot of pokemon characters or you know video <laughs> well it's funny you say that because you know today we're buying our 99 you know today's the 99th day in a row we're buying an nft and we're doing them all in the mint phase so i'm doing a lot of the research for you know four hours a day about you know researching these projects and I've said it, it, you know, I've built out like a trust score and it's almost all attached to the who, right? Like, do I trust that that they can actually deliver on what they're saying? And I I even moved most utility and roadmaps into what I call projected utility, where where I think a lot of of this is like wishful thinking. And and you mentioned that earlier, right? The idea of those that are, are dreaming about owning a casino yet have never even, you know, ventured into that place or even in that, played in that, in that ballpark. And so I'm curious too. So you mentioned OG and I'll, I'll give you a look, you know, we're kind of wrap, pulling this together at the end here. Like give a little bit, like what, what are the things to come on the, uh, on your OG drop? How can people get involved in the, the pre-sale? I know you have the discord. I'm over there and your, your discord is popping off. I know you're giving away the board eight, but uh, yeah, let the audience know like how they can get involved. Yeah. So you can join my discord. It's just tylopez.com slash NFT. It'll redirect you to my Discord invite. So my OG one, I get my chance to pump my own. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Um, it's not what you know. It's who you know. That's what I've learned in business. The thing that changed my life, you know, my mom was a single mom. My dad was in prison in Terminal Island when I was born in Los Angeles. And growing up, I always wanted to make money. I had little ideas and I had tomato stands and all this, and I wanted to improve my life, but I didn't have any role models or mentors. And so when I was 19, I, I went and met, worked on a farm for two years with a guy named Joel Salatin. He was kind of my father figure, first business mentor. And then I found five millionaire mentors after that. And that's what changed my life. And it allowed me to you know, become an entrepreneur and, and go, you know, I I spent my high school years in a mobile home in North Carolina and allowed me to go from that, you know, to Beverly Hills. And so looking back as I think, what's something that provides a lot of utility? What would I like if I was to join an NFT community at 18 again, like what would be cool for me? What would I advise my 18 year old self about a time machine? And it'd be like, go into a community, um, of entrepreneurs, uh, where you have a high probability of meeting millionaire mentors or billionaire, I mean, whatever you pick, it does. And it doesn't have to be all about all about money. Just if you want to form a charity, that's great. Not everything has to be for profit, but being around high performers, outliers. And if you look in history of business, garages is where damn things started, right? Like Google started in a garage. Steve Jobs and Wozniak started Apple out of a garage. Disney was started in a garage. It's kind of like this American, you know, rags to riches story. And I had that one here in my garage, Lamborghini garage, you know, 300 million people saw that. And so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna call my NFT social club, the OG, 
original garage social club. Now I've added and hotel. So I was going to do nightclubs um, and basically build. You get a whole bunch of access online, my courses, my masterminds, exclusive discords. But you also are going to get access to nightclubs. But I pulled my community and like people saw the value in hotels, you know, so we're going to I'm looking at several hotels. It'll be Miami, London is where I'm looking. I looked in in several places in Europe, Puerto Rico, also where I live. So this NFT represents access to a social club, access to my mentors, access to me, um, access to my ma- ma- uh, my masterminds in person, access to my courses ahead of time. You know, first access. But the masterminds is the big thing, and then also the first NFT membership hotel and inside the hotel you usually have like, you know, a club or a restaurant. I'm going to put a lounge slash club. That's only access is those who are NFT holders. So now, by the way, one other thing that's kind of cool. I have a very active, I have over 150,000 people who pay me for my business training on tylopez.com. So I'm switching that to NFT based. So these NFTs that I'm launching next week, this collection will trade in the secondary market because I have a crazy amount of people every single day who buy my stuff. And now we're going to start saying, nope, don't send us fiat. Go to OpenSea, buy the fucking NFT for somebody. You want to come to my mastermind? I just did one with 20 people, high net worth individuals. There was a guy there that rags riches, insane story, making eight figures, you know. And for him, he's dropped like ten, twenty thousand dollars Now it's going to be like my phone sales team will be like, just go to OpenSea and buy the gold card NFT. I have silver and gold that I'm dropping. And that gold gets you access to the in-person mastermind. So this will also be the first NFT that really has an active company making sure the secondary market trades. I don't want to just rug. I don't need five million bucks or whatever. So it's not about me doing a little five million dollar NFT and running off to Thailand to do hookers and blow. Like I already have, I already can do that if I want to. I want to build something that has crazy secondary volume for for years and years because I think that's what I really love about NFTs. It's not just you can raise money up front, but this shit can trade. Other people can make money. People can t- and it allows. By the way, if you want to get scientific, it allows this capitalistic signaling to happen. So for example, if I don't do any of this stuff, if I never buy a hotel, if nobody ever wants to come to my masterminds, then this thing trades down and I'm punished. So I think in a secondary market in the hands of the right people actually incentivizes you to fulfill the roadmap. And and that's, so I think you got to look I'll end with this. Look for NFT projects. It doesn't have to be mine. If you want to, you know, interested in mine, getting on the white list, go to tylopez.com slash NFT. But whatever you're looking at, make sure that they're not just incentivized by the primary. So if I was 18 years old, just to be honest, and I could raise $3 million for an NFT, like you might never hear from me again. I mean, that's a <laughs> lot of conversation for an 18 year old. Be like, yo, I'm going to do this and I'm going to buy a casino with this $3 million. Shit. A lot of these, I don't, a lot of those, and I'm not saying an 18 year old is less trustworthy for, it's not about age. My, I'm talking about if myself at 18, I'd never seen $50,000 in a bank account. You know, I don't know that I would have been incentivized to fulfill the roadmap and I wouldn't have cared about the secondary market. So I think one unique thing about mine is I'm highly incentivized to make 
those who buy in the original mint, you know, there's a lot of utility going into this. A real hotel, whether it be South Beach or London, it's not going to be, you know, a metaverse hotel. Nothing against metaverse hotels, but it's better to have one in South Beach. <laughs> you know, I, I would I would take uh, South Beach over that all day, right? I, I've been to, uh, I like my it's not it's not bragging because I, I think you you would agree. I've been to I have over fourteen hundred nights in a Marriott on my uh, Marriott profile, and I've been to seventy six countries. So travel side for me is uh, uh, great. I haven't stayed a night in a Metaverse hotel yet, right? So I, I for me I'm <laughs> I'm I'm with you on uh, on that side of it, and we're gonna we're gonna. Uh, try to include uh, your NFT in our our collection as well, which will sell that whole uh, collection as a mosaic. Uh, you know, upcoming in, in November. And I, you know, I'll say I'll kind of you know, I love that you brought up this idea of you know, it is about this shift in ownership, right? And the ownership of you know something like a, a entrepreneur masterclass or ownership in uh, online courses. And and to your point, you know, if the owners are not finding it valuable, and then they can't even sell it. The what they the access that they have on the secondary market of value, you know, it is it is a, really a proof and incentive. And I've said for a long time, I think I think the car market actually is a great spot for NFTs to really um, transform because if if a dealer actually knew that they were getting a residual you know percentage on every car that they sold, now they're going to have more of a ventured interest for that secondary market of that car, and it's no longer going to be about. You know, go get your oil change every three thousand miles. They're going to bring the oil change to your, you know, driveway because they're going to want, you know, to keep the value of that vehicle up over time. Because of course, they're going to get that, you know, residual on the back end, um, which you know today you know, doesn't exist in a lot of these spaces. I like it. See, that's what I like about this. There's so many smart people. I hope to be one of you know millions of smart people that just it's kind of like open source code. You just keep taking it and riffing off it and coming up with something better. But for sure, I'll tell you this. Let me, I, I think we got to go and I got to yeah. go. And, if I said to you, this is my argument to anybody who says crypto is a Ponzi or whatever. And I go, if I said to you 50 years ago that one day there will be, you know, self-driving cars, you might believe it. There was like the Jetsons and sci-fi a hundred years ago. Leonardo da Vinci was writing about the uh, drawing a helicopter in the 1500s. So people have always been able to guess a little bit in the future. If I told you there's self-driving cars and that we'd go to space in 1940, you might be like, I might believe that, you know, there was a nuclear bomb in the 1940s. It's conceivable. If I told you back then, yeah, there's going to be digital money. You're not going to need these little coins. I don't think anybody would be like, no, no, that's outrageous. That I can't see impossible we're gonna always have paper you know now that's what we kind of have now bank of america is like digital money now if i said to you the world's gonna change and countries are gonna lose power sovereign nations are gonna lose some of the power they used to have and i say this let's say in the 1940s i think everybody would be like i see that because in the 1940s sovereign powers changed in my grandma was born in 1918, the end of World War One, she was World War One ended in November 11th at 11 o'clock, 11, 11, 11, uh, and it was a whole redrawing of the map. Sovereign nations lost power, and but that was through war. It was a horrible time. It was a horrible time. All the men in my grandma's family were killed in Germany, right? So 
if I told my grandma back in the 1920s, like there, the, every once in a while, sovereign nations will lose power and new forces will take over. She'd be like, yeah, that happened. I mean, Germany wasn't a country till the 1880s. Italy wasn't a country till the early 1900s. These maps have been redrawn all over. So what's happening now and why you see regulatory issues and so on and so forth is there's a redrawing of power maps. And it's going from digital money, which is my Bank of America account. Most of us don't hold all of our money in cotton bills anymore. We hold it digitally. But the next step will be the decentralization or maybe it's not just decentralization. That word's overused. It's a redrawing of tribal lines. Board 8 Yacht Club represents a new tribe. Cardano, people love it. Or Ripple, they love it or whatever. It represents a new cult, a new tribe. And so I think tribes linked to money are what's going to happen. And it's inevitable, ladies and gentlemen. So I hope you picked the right tribe. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, thank, Ty, thanks so much for, for jumping in. Uh, you know, really appreciate your... Uh, point of view, your take. Excited to see what you're doing with the, the NFT uh, and leaning forward for that. And you know, for all those that are listening, you know, as we you know kind of get on this journey, not only is it important to kind of reimagine you know future use cases, but you know, listen to you know this advice and these things that we're hearing, and find ways that you can adapt it and adopt it in your uh, individual landscape. And I think the opportunities are endless. And so for those that want to you know check out any of the things that we talked about here on the episode, I'll make sure those links. Uh, are in the show notes and up on the website. And as most know, this podcast is super powered by the ADHD coin over at rally.io. It is the coin uh, that I launched almost a little bit over uh, 11 months ago over on Rally. And uh, blessed now to have over uh, you know over 145,000 coins in circulation, 1,400 people, individual holders. And you know a lot of those are you that listen to the podcast. So we appreciate you, appreciate your support. And as we like to say, until tomorrow, make it a great day. Cheers. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Ty. Appreciate it, my friend. Yeah. That was great. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research.